Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. What up, everybody? I'm going to initiate a call to action for everyone to donate $1.99 so that you can access the back catalog of the podcast as well as to help your podcast grow. I'm trying to grow the podcast and I want to do that with you guys and make it better and brighter and bring you more information. So if you want to access the back catalog and help support me as an artist, I appreciate you and please donate at anchor.fm underneath Lockdown Universe. Thanks so much and enjoy the show. What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Lockdown Universe, home of the bizarre, peculiar, and unheard of stories of UFO, legend, and paranormal lore. Welcome back, welcome back. Happy to be back. Hopefully you guys are doing well and taking care of yourselves. So today, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the anatomy inside, the strange dimensional changes inside of these alien crafts. Now, a lot of these whistleblower stories, they they may tell about um, working on an alien. Some of them might have seen, uh, you know, a ship in their bay. Some of them may have gone in the 20 and back program, but today's whistleblower talks about how he was part of the, the NBC team. Okay. These are the guys that clean up biological hazards, chemical hazards, so on and so forth. And they go to the alien crash sites and they clean up they do whatever's necessary to these sites uh, and trying to try to scrub them so that the public doesn't know about them. Now, today's whistleblower was part of this team, uh, dating all the way back to uh, the 70s uh, and into the 80s. So uh, he is retired now um, and proud vet. Uh, vet. Uh, he is um, telling us a lot about the anatomy inside of these craft that he personally witnessed now he doesn't he states and he's willing to state that he doesn't know everything but he he did um clean up one and two particular crash sites that he wanted to give information to the public about so in the first crash site he discusses that when he got there that this craft was downed uh it, but it was functional on the inside. So when he went in, okay, first of all, let's start from the exterior. Looking at this craft, it was only 35 feet in diameter, okay? Not very big by, you know, traditional 747 standards. However, once he went into the craft, he was very surprised by what he saw. You see, outside of the craft, the height of this ship was only approximately about 15 feet. But when he entered the craft, he noticed that it was far larger than what he had witnessed on the outside. If it was 35 feet on the outside, it couldn't possibly even be close to 35 feet on the inside because like a typical disc-shaped craft, it narrows towards the edges, right? But inside this craft, when he went in, it was like a humongous hall, like a humongous, humongous room. It was 50 feet tall. It was enormously wide. Not only was it one room, but also 
multiple rooms. It was the size of a, of a large house on the inside. It had sleeping quarters. It had laboratory quarters. It had other quarters. And all of these had doors. So it wasn't just a passenger ship like it looked like on the outside. When one went inside, it was as though you were walking through a totally different dimension. And that's what's truly fascinating about this story is that these are stories we don't hear a lot about. From time to time, some some whistleblowers have stated that they go inside these craft and they are a little bit larger. Or sometimes they seem to be the correct dimensions from what they perceived outside. But in this case, we find out that these craft, according to uh, this whistleblower who I'll mention in just a minute, um, states is they have their own um, gravity. They have their own uh, dimensional um, appropriations to ge geography on the inside, or I should say, um, <laughs> I should say geometry, um, the size, the shape, the expanse on the inside is completely different. It's completely different. Um, it doesn't even look like the craft on the outside. So as, as our NBC, you know, whistleblower was walking through the ship, he also noticed that there was a bridge, that there was a location for the captains to, uh, perform their duties. Uh, he states that there was a screen, um, that was secondary to this large window that could be looked, looked out through, um, onto whatever uh, area they were flying into. So there's this huge window, just like a car windshield, but then also there was a alternative screens. There were 3D and 2D um, scales um, and, um, you know, kind of like a heads up display, a HUD display where um, it, it, he wasn't sure what they were measuring, whether it was speed, whether it was you know, breathable air, whether, what, what, whatever it was they were looking for. But he felt that though these, these, uh, screens, um, gauges and so on were able to scan for a variety of things, much like we would, if we were extraterrestrial explorers, um, you know, maybe we're looking for signs of life. Maybe we're looking for a certain particular kind of life. Um, you know, and these guys, you know, a lot of these alien species are, are DNA farmers. So they might have had scan, scanning capabilities for certain types of DNA within individuals as they pass them, you know. So there's a lot of tech that could be on there that he wasn't even aware of. Um, his job was not to go in there and, uh, you know, explore these, uh, the technology. He was there strictly to do cleanup and then, you know, if they needed to uh, assist in the, uh, the loading of this ship. Um, so onto their, you know, their carriers, their flatbeds to get it the hell out of there. Um, he stated that there was an A and a B team on these recovery teams. So the A team had to be there within two hours. The B team had to be there within four hours. <clears throat> What's interesting to me is that we've heard so many times that um, these teams, or not these teams, but that the, the government and the secret governments, the black ops governments, have portals with which they can go through to any any part of the world or maybe even within the uh, galaxy they want to quickly. So isn't it interesting? They have to be there within two hours. So these NBC teams would have to be everywhere within two hours, everywhere in the entire country, which seems impossible, right? There are a lot of military bases, but there's not enough to cover two hours worth of ground 
across the entire country. Um, and certainly not teams that would work with these crash sites, right? I mean, they're not going to have, an, you know, a group of National Guards guys go out and, and, and take care of a downed alien spacecraft. They're not going to do that. They're not going to have, you know, uh, a team, you know, from Iowa go and pick up this crash site and then go back home. You know, it's too much non-compartmentalism. They're going to keep these teams within within a group and that's it right so two hours to get to a crash site so let's think about that for a moment so we had jonathan wagant very first podcast i talked about and this he served in the marine corps in 1997 and he drove six hours when he was down in peru with his team to a crashed ufo site now they drove that was six hours. He wasn't on the A or B team, right? That was six hours. So, <clears throat> granted, it was another country. But now that we're, we're talking about within country, is it possible that the, our own governments are using possible portal technology to, to transport these A and B teams so that they can take care of business? Let's say you're on an NBC team. How long would it take to load up? get ready and and go to this crash site. Well, you might have to know a few things. You might have to know how big is the crash site. You might have to know how large is the craft. You might have to know what species is the craft to make sure that you have the correct equipment to clean up after these uh, these species, right? Maybe you have one species that's carbon-based. Maybe you have another species that's non-carbon-based. Maybe they're... Um, <clears throat> You know, I'm not a chemist, but there are other species out there that seem to be non-carbon based as well. What if they're a species that uh, is aquatic, right? And they, they, they transported themselves across galaxies, but they, they were within water. Now they crashed and their tanks crashed and they need a, uh, a tank to be brought with. You might need to put that through a portal to, to try to save these creatures. And that was the interesting thing um, that our whistleblower talked about was that they would... They would save they would try to save any species that they could at these crash sites he stated that at one crash site one of the aliens was um hanging out of uh one of the openings to the craft um but they were kind of like laying half in half out they were injured and the nbc team went and administered first aid and they they took uh, the alien away from the crash site and tried to save them uh, although unsuccessfully but it seems as though our, our teams, you know, are at least are trying to save these creatures, although probably more for interrogation purposes than really uh, more, you know, diplomatic purposes. Although it would be smart to be diplomatic in some of these, these uh, ideas, uh, you know, in these situations, because uh, let's say you have a pissed off group that, you know, is pissed that you took their, their people. Um, you know, that, that could be a intergalactic incident. <laughs> so, um, so it's something to be mindful of, but, um, the other interesting thing too, uh, the whistleblower talked about was when he was on uh, a couple of these ships, he only worked with one other su supervisor, uh, who he referred to as the Colonel. Um, and that was his supervisor, his direct supervisor, and he would defer to him for everything. And he stated that he showed his um, his colonel the uh, the energy source, the power source for one of these ships, and it happened to be the size of a matchbox. Okay, a matchbox. We're talking about like two inches, maybe by what half an inch, by one inch. Okay, so 
he stated that he thought this might be part of the engine, part of the power of the craft, but that uh, they indeed found out that the power, the entire craft, this huge craft, was powered by this small power source. And, you know, one has to think about a zero-point module, because how the hell can you use a, something the size of the matchbook to power an entire craft? And what's interesting is, at this point of the interview, uh, Emery Smith you know, interjects and he says, this is what's really interesting about these craft is this is the point where you find out that size doesn't matter when it comes to energy, nor does it matter when it comes to these craft, because they are totally in a different level of technology. They're in a total, totally different level of physics. And when you enter these craft, um, some of the other military members that he worked with stated that you're entering another version of reality, a reality that we are not familiar with, that we have never really encountered before. And, and so it becomes very strange to be within that reality. It's one thing to see something on television or, you know, maybe even, you know, from afar, but to have to be in it. And to experience it is two totally different things. Imagine for a second, you know, and this is, you know, kind of a funny thing, but uh, a funny instance. But imagine you you watch somebody on the Gravitron, right, uh, at uh, at your local fair, okay? Let's say you're watching somebody on that thing, and you're like, okay, I, I think I can understand how that feels. But imagine getting on the Gravitron and now getting spun around in all kinds of different ways, and uh, you get sick, right? <laughs> It's the same thing. It's just a totally different ball game when you're when you're experiencing something different. And so when you're in these um, in these craft, it's just it, it's completely a, a different reality. And that's kind of what it boils down to. Um, so there were uh, other crashes uh, that the whistleblower talked about um, that he went to. He stated that. Most craft that he encountered, there were a few different sizes. Um, he stated that there was a saucer-like craft that he went into, and that was one of those that um, that uh, the size did change when he went inside. It's almost like the uh, Doctor Who TARDIS box, right? And you have to wonder if maybe the writers of Doctor Who kind of used some of this, you know, information that they might have gathered somehow, some way, and made it into a television series. Um, but like like the Doctor Who show, when you go inside the TARDIS, it becomes this huge room with all these all these equipment and, and you know uh, the en energy sources there, and there's screens everywhere. You know, it's all kinds of stuff. Um, but he stated that there was a uh, a flying saucer-like craft, there was an egg-shaped craft, there was a cigar-shaped craft, and um, he stated there was another craft that was like he stated it was like lens-like. Um, but he didn't go into too many, too much detail about that one. But I thought it was really fascinating. I thought this particular episode was was really interesting. Um, Emery Smith added uh, a bunch of um, credential to uh, this story. Um, the whistleblower uh, is Clifford Stone. If you've seen um, the Disclosure Project, he was part of the Disclosure Project. And when I originally saw Clifford on the Disclosure Project, I was like, ah, he's not giving a lot of detail. He's not giving us a lot of information. I don't know if I believe his story, but then he did this uh, episode 
with Emery on Gaia, and it's just a great. It, it, he gave so much more detail and and just seemed so so much more genuine this time, that uh, that I believe him. And so uh, it was great. It was a great uh, episode. I'm looking forward to watching a few more and bringing some some more uh, whistleblower testimony to you. So I hope you guys are having a great night, great evening, taking care of yourselves, getting exercise, getting some fresh air. Uh, now that it's getting a little bit cooler in the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere. Uh, maybe getting warmer, uh, but uh, it's it's been uh, it's been nice to have some cooler temperatures to get get outside and have a little bit more uh, outside time. So, continue taking care of yourselves physically, spiritually, emotionally. Follow through on all those hobbies and goals and dreams, and as always, continue to question the universe around you. Until next time, guys, take care. Lockdown Universe out.